Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, which is on page 839 of your pew Bible. Before I read our scripture lesson this morning, I want to mention the fact that, that today is designated as Reformation Sunday in acknowledgement of the beginning point of the Reformation, which is also often considered to be the point at which Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg. And the first of those 95 theses state this, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he meant that, meant that the whole life of believers should be repentance. In other words, our whole lives should be in the process of reformation. And so in that sense, every Sunday is Reformation Sunday as we, the church, are gathered together to listen to the voice of our Heavenly Father speak to us in His Word so that our lives are reformed more and more to be consistent with the Lord Jesus. Well, this morning we come now to Mark chapter 4 where Jesus begins to teach in parables and turns to the crowds from some of the hostility that He has dealt with. Read with me, beginning in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land and he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. For those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, Immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word. The cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Here Jesus turns to the crowds and he begins to teach to them for the first time in parables. Parables were really a particular way of telling stories to connect something very earthy, something of 
real life substance to a spiritual reality that Jesus wants to teach a particular lesson or a number of different lessons. And here he uses this idea of a sower that is a farmer who's going out and casting out seeds into the soil. And so you have the sower, you have the seed, you have the soil. And it would have been a very common way, uh, a common illustration that people in his day would have understood. And in fact, we might say that they're uh, meeting along the sea there of Galilee and listening to Jesus. It may just have been that there were sowers out in the fields and around the Sea of Galilee that they could see as Jesus is telling this particular parable. They see the sower going out and scattering seed among his field and waiting and hoping for a great produce. And so we're told here in verse two that he tells them many things in parables as he teaches them beside the sea. Now, the context is this. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that when Jesus told this parable, it was the same day. Now, if you recall from last Sunday's sermon, the same day was the day that the Pharisees were hot on Jesus's tail. They wanted to catch him and try to derail his ministry by um, trying to invalidate him. Then we see his own family members coming and saying he must be mad there. There must be something demented about him. We don't like the way in which he is going about doing ministry. So Jesus begins to now speak to the people in parables as a way of drawing out those people who are truly his and sifting them away from those who are not. So if we were to ask the question, what does Jesus seek to accomplish in teaching in parables? I think there are three answers. The first is this, to invite listeners to self-examination. To invite listeners to self-examination. Now, he first of all tells the parable without actually mentioning God, without connecting it to anything spiritual, no obvious connections at least. Then the disciples gather together and ask for Jesus to interpret the parable to them because they don't understand. And so what he tells them in verse 14 and following is that this sower is like God going out to sow the seed of God's word. And it falls on various types of soil Four, in fact, and these soils represent the human heart, the various conditions that the human heart might be in. Now, just as an aside for those of you who are teachers of the word, maybe Sunday school teachers or you lead a Bible study somewhere. This is a great paradigm to study if you're going to be an effective teacher of God's word, because you need to know those to whom you teach the word. What's the condition of their heart? Is it rocky soil? What condition is their heart in? Is it good soil? And so I would encourage you, if you're a teacher of the word, to really reflect on these particular qualities of soil that Jesus refers to and what he wants his listeners who have ears to hear, he said, is to invite them into the story that so that they began to see themselves in the story and categorize themselves. Where do I fit into this particular parable? Now, let me go through these four different soil types. The first is this, the seed sown along the path. This is the hardened listener, the hardened listener. He says 
These are the ones sown along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Now, fields in those days had paths that ran around the perimeter and sometimes ran through the fields and they would be tamped down over years by the farmer. And as the farmer went out with a a sack of seeds around him and threw seeds, scattered it about, he wasn't too concerned if some of them fell along the hardened path. And what Jesus is saying here is that this particular type of person, their heart is so hardened like the path that's been tamped down by the sower himself that the gospel message never actually penetrates. But the word just remains on the surface. And if anything, is removed by Satan. Now, these are people who may have sat in church their whole life. They may have heard the gospel message over and over. And yet when they leave church, they say something to the effect, there's nothing special here. There's nothing of real consequence, nothing worthwhile here. And they see nothing in Jesus that's really desirous for them. But rather they could take him, leave him. After Sally and I professed our love for each other at our wedding at the reception, an aunt and uncle of mine who are not Christians but have been churchgoers for many years came to me in the reception line, receiving line. And the statement that was made to me besides congratulations was, I can't believe that you got Sally to agree. What they meant was that the preacher had spoken from Ephesians chapter 5, where it outlines the duties of wives and husbands in a Christian home, calling upon women to submit to their husbands out of reverence to the Lord and husbands to give themselves up sacrificially to their wives. And so here was one who would hear the word, and yet their heart was so hardened that the message of the gospel could never really penetrate, but rather it remained on the surface. It's a willful rejection. Sort of like when children cover their ears and say, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. It's that type of mentality towards God. I can't hear you, Lord, because I don't want to hear you. Maybe the church goer who despises the gospel and they don't want the preacher to begin to apply the scriptures to their life and show how the gospel becomes relevant because it begins to poke and prod at them. And they don't want any of that. It may be the churchgoer who is just slumbering. I mentioned a number of weeks ago how tragic it is when we hear the word. And then as soon as we leave and walk over the threshold of the church building, the word just seems to slip out of our hearts and we never think about it any longer. And so it may be the churchgoer who's simply slumbering. And it's that kind of disposition that shows that Satan is Lord and Master of that person. And no wonder he comes along and plucks away the seed of the Word so that never even has a chance to grow. Well, that's the hardened listener. The second is the shallow listener. This is the seed that's sown in rocky soil. We're told in verse 16 that 
these people hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. In other words, there's an immediate impact. It begins to grow up quickly. It sprouts and spreads and develops uh, leaves on it. And they receive the gospel with great, with great joy. But the soil is so, so shallow because it's uh, right above the rocks in the soil. And the roots can only go down just so far. And we're told in verse 17 that they have no root in themselves And they may endure for just a time. But when tribulation and persecution come, they fall away. In other words, they'll endure in their profession of faith so long as things don't get too difficult. And yet, tribulations and trials are promised to us in the Scriptures. Tribulations and trials come along that test our faith. God tests our faith to see whether or not we really want to obey Him. And it's in those times we realize that we don't want to obey Him. And that person begins to fall away because they never really had any root. Now this word here, fall away, actually more commonly is translated to take offense. To take offense. So it's that person who now is experiencing hardship, who's now maybe even experiencing persecution for the decision that they've made to come to Christ in faith. And this person is so upset that they cry out, I didn't sign on for this. And they begin to take offense at the Gospel and to take offense at even God Himself that He would bring them through such trial and persecution. And so they take offense. At a friend in college who was a fraternity brother, And during his junior year, he began to go through some difficult times. It caused him to sort of look inward at himself and begin to ask some bigger questions about his life. And we could see him as as believers uh, going through this process. And it looked as though the Lord was now bringing him in so that he could bring him to the point of repentance and to receive forgiveness in Christ. And I can remember one night when a good friend of mine who was a Christian drove him home one evening and they sat outside in the car and had a heart-to-heart talk. And my friend who was not a believer professed faith that night in Christ. But you see, over the months after that time, all of a sudden the, the costs of following Jesus began to mount up. And he was unwilling to pay those costs. And pretty soon... He had fallen away. Or better, he had actually taken offense at the life of the Gospel. So here we see Jesus telling us of this person who's the the shallow person, who has shallow soil and the root of the Gospel never grows down deeply. This person makes a good start, but is unable to continue. And Sadly, Jesus says to that person, The one who puts his hands to the plow and then looks back is not fit for my kingdom. My friends, that's a scary statement for us, isn't it? If we are not those who lay hold of the gospel of of Jesus Christ and persevere and press on, regardless of what trials come our way, regardless of what persecution 
might come against us. But if instead we look back and fall away, then Jesus will eventually say to us, Away from me, for I never knew you. Well, there's a third listener here. And that is what you might call the lustful listener. It's the seed sown among thorns. Here in verse 18 and 19, we're told that these people are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter and choke it. And it proves unfruitful. This is the person who understands the word, but they can't quite break from all the attractions that this world has to offer. They can't quite separate themselves from all the cares of this world, things that are desirous to them that begin to choke out the word. It's the picture of weeds beginning to grow up among the seed and pretty soon the weeds begin to overshadow the seed so that it cannot grow as it's supposed to. I had a friend who got married. Actually, this is the same friend who witnessed uh, to, the, to the man who was converted. He was married right out of college. And they seemed to be a very happy couple. Both of them were devout Christians. They both uh, were faithful in church going. They they both led Bible studies in college. They had a clear profession of faith. They had real evidence of fruit in their life. And after a couple of years, the wife began to fall away and pursue other things. She was an actress and all of a sudden the desires for success as an actress began to choke out the message of the gospel in her life. So much so that one day after they moved out to Hollywood, she left her husband and he's never heard from her again. And she's renounced the faith and no longer professes Christ. You see, that's, this is the picture here. The person who hears the word, some sense understands it and some sense receives it, maybe makes a clear profession of faith. But then all the other things out there, all the lures of this life begin to be a great attraction. And their lust for those things overshadows everything in the gospel. My friends, this is so easy for us to do. We, we never find clear satisfaction in God. He's never quite enough for us. But what out, what's out there? Well... Maybe that will give me what I'm looking for. Maybe a little bit more money, a little bit more success, a little bit more in terms of relationships, a little more comfort, a little more peace, and that'll do it. And Jesus says if you give your life to those things, then they will become great weeds that grow up over your Christian life and choke you out. So that the word of God does not prove to be fruitful. Well, the final listener here is the fruitful listener. And this is the seed sown among the good soil. Verse 20 says, those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30 fold and 60 fold and 100 fold. Now, this is great produce from one seed. 
thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. People in the ancient world would have been amazed at Jesus saying this. The typical expectation on a return was six to tenfold. Jesus is saying there's something going to take place here that is so far beyond your expectations that it will grow up among you and show to be a life-transforming reality. So that when the seed of the Word of God falls upon good soil, the, the good human heart that's ready to receive it in faith as it's been prepared by the Holy Spirit, now that person is going to produce a great crop. This amazing life of transformation. So that our prejudices against certain types of people all of a sudden begin to fall away. And we actually find that we love those kinds of people. So that the things that held such an important position in our life all of a sudden begin to fall away as our life is now centered around Jesus. So that our petty jealousies and suspicions of others and their motives all of a sudden turn into us thinking more highly of them than we think of ourselves. You've noticed this before. All of a sudden, the Word of God begins to have this great effect on your life and you almost can't explain it. It, it seems to come out of nowhere. And there's fruit being born. You don't know why you have such affection for certain people that you would now begin to serve them when they were the kinds of people that drove you crazy before. My friends, it's the Word of God taking root and bearing good fruit in your life. It's what Paul wrote to the, first Thess to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 2 when he speaks of the Word of God being at work in you. And that's the picture that Jesus is speaking of here. That the Word of God is at work in those whose hearts have been prepared. Now they begin to produce a great fruit. You know, Jesus' parables read us like an open book. And in a sense, what He's doing is He's asking us to take soil samples. What's the condition of your heart? What kind of soil do you have? Well, there's one way to answer that question. What's the harvest of God's Word in your life? What's the harvest of God's Word in your life? Is there clear evidence of fruit? Are you producing fruit 30, 60, a hundredfold, so that you're looking more and more like the Lord Jesus. You see, He is a picture of the good soil, isn't He? Word of God came to Him and it produced a great crop. It fell on good soil. We're told by Luke that when Jesus was just a young boy, that He grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Here is the picture of Jesus receiving the Word and it falling on good soil so that it begins to produce a great crop. My friends, is your life being shaped by the Lord Jesus in that way so that you are beginning to produce a great crop? Well, today, if you have that good soil, if you have ears to hear like Jesus says, then you are blessed because to you has been granted the secrets of the kingdom.
And that's what Jesus says here. To you has been granted the secrets of the kingdom. Well, that's the invitation to look at our own selves in light of the parable. Let me mention a couple of other things very briefly. The second reason for teaching in parables is to sift out true disciples. As he tells this parable here in verses 3 through 8, he's giving this agricultural lesson before explaining it. Now, why would he do that? The disciples ask. So they come to him in verse 10. And it says that those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he gives them two reasons for why he tells the parables. He said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. That's the first part of the answer. You have been given good soil to receive the word so that you understand the secret, the mystery of the kingdom, which is the identity and mission of Jesus, that he is the son of God who would come to save sinners. But the second part is this. He says, but for those outside, everything, everything is in parables. Why? Well, he quotes here from Isaiah, they so that they may indeed see, but not perceive and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, this quote from Isaiah is right after Isaiah has seen the vision of the Lord in the temple and he's been asked, who will go? And he says, Lord, send me, send me to preach the message of salvation. And God says, I will send you. But the message that you will preach is that those people will hear, but never perceive that they will uh, hear and never understand lest they turn and be forgiven. Now, why would God say that? Because these people have so harden themselves in rebellion against Him. That what He is doing is speaking in parables as a form of judgment. To say, since you reject Me, which they have done all up until this point in the Gospel of Mark, since you reject Me, well then I will remove from you the clear preaching of the Word. It will be, as Amos says, a famine of the Word so that no longer will anybody understand except those who have been given the good soil. Those who have the secret of the kingdom. What he's saying here is that he's basically sifting out the crowd and saying, I'm going to find those who truly belong to me. And I'm going to separate them from those who are only here to hear what their ears want to hear. And so Jesus begins to sift out those who are not truly His, those who persist in remaining on the fence, who never will fully commit to Christ. My friends, if that's you today, let me just say this. Don't presume that God will still speak to you in clear terms in days ahead. Don't presume that. Because it may just be that one day, He goes silent to you and that you can't hear and that you're not able to understand. And all of a sudden, all communication from God is cut off. Why? Because you've persisted. 
persisted in rejecting Him. I've heard many people say, well, I'll wait to get serious about God another day. I'll, I'll wait to examine the evidence of the Christian faith another day. My friends, there may not be another day. Come to Christ today. Today is the day of salvation. Well, let me mention one last reason for the parables. And that is this, and we'll take this up more next week, is to explain the poor response to Jesus' ministry. I mean, think about it from the disciples' perspective. They've watched Jesus minister. He's performed great miracles. He has healed people. He has cast out demons. And yet there's been great opposition to Him. The crowds have come, but they only want to see a miracle worker. So in the minds of the disciples, they're beginning to wonder, Lord, if You're the Messiah, where's the glory of Your kingdom? Where's the fruit of Your kingdom? Why isn't it expanding more? What Jesus is saying here is, let me tell you how the kingdom comes. When I mentioned to you that only one of the four types of soils bears fruit, and in that type of soil, it produces a a harvest far beyond the expectations of any farmer. Now, oftentimes in parables, when Jesus finds a point at which He can then jump from what is typically expected to something extravagant, He's often communicating a clear point of the parable. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, there will be many who will reject this message, but in those who hear it and hear it clearly, it will produce fruit far beyond your expectations. And you see, this is how the kingdom grows. What He's telling His disciples is this, don't fall away on account of how you see the kingdom grow. Don't fall away from Me and end up rejecting Me and saying, He's not the Son of God. He's not the Messiah. All because of the way in which the kingdom comes. Because the kingdom often comes like a seed falls into the ground and dies so that it can produce a great crop. And we need to be careful that we are not people who are so discouraged because the kingdom is not advancing in ways that we want it to, that we end up walking away from Jesus and not holding fast to Him. See, if our our heart is hard, if it's shallow soil that longs for what the world can give, then you won't be content with the way in which Jesus grows His kingdom. My friends, if you have ears to hear today, hear, come to Christ and hold fast to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come to You and pray that You would make our hearts more and more fertile. Lord, we want for our lives to produce a crop of 30, 60, 100 fold, far beyond anything that we could ever do in and of our own strength, so that the world would know this is certainly the work of God. May Jesus be glorified in our lives, we pray for Christ's sake. Amen.